Today on Parent Time, we talk music and its power to connect as we chat to Bree from B Minor Music on Benny Asking People Questions. There are teachers, people who tirelessly search and research into the development of our children in order to bring them the best possible outcomes. They do this selflessly and they do this with little celebration. Then, of course... There are some people like my next guest whose music and dedication to her audience sets her apart from her peers. Her passion for early childhood and the music she can share is matched only by her desire to dress up. I'm talking about Brie of B Minor Music and she joins me here today. Hi, Brie. Hey, Benny. How are you going? I'm doing very well. Um, How are you going with all this uh, being, being locked in? I'm actually thriving right now. I didn't realise as um, people think I'm an extrovert because I'm quite out there, but I'm actually an introvert. So I'm quite liking this isolation situation right now. (laughs) Yes, I can see why people would be confused because you're literally, literally you earn your money from standing in front of crowds of people. Yeah. So how's it been? It's been quite a big deal for you to take what you do and have to put it in front of a camera. I imagine. Yes, yes. So I've had to learn a whole new way of living. Um, and I got into it quite quickly. So the, pretty much the day that I started losing jobs, they uh, one after an hour, uh, another just kept on ringing up and saying, sorry, we have to cancel, we have mm. to cancel. And not just for a couple of weeks, but they flat out from the very beginning were saying, let's cancel for the term. This, we're in here for a long time. And I just went, oh, gosh, I need to still earn money. So mm. I just went, okay. Um, I, I'm on an amazing uh, Facebook page where business people uh, share their ideas with each other. And I was like, okay, what's the best online forum? And everyone was just like, yep, go with Zoom. Everyone's got it. It's not going to be confusing. And I started my next session three days later wow. and haven't looked back. <laughs> has it been how, I mean, we'll sort of get to your beginnings and stuff, but before we do, like, has it, what's the number one thing you've found with having to do what you do without an audience like I mean you 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 rely heavily and you can hear it in your songs you rely heavily on the participation of the crowd that's there with you so much yeah and you know I pride myself with my sessions on uh, saying to people uh, each session is based on the dynamics of the group and their development and when I can't see the dynamics mm. as well um, you know you, they're on camera but there's a delay of course uh, and some children might walk off screen, so they might be dancing in the corner, but you actually can't see whether they're participating or not. Mm. Uh, it's become me kind of more than interacting. I'm more performing now. Yeah, sure. And has that been comfortable for for an introvert? Is that easy for you to do or not? Uh, at, at times I get right into it, and then at other times I, I kind of jump out and just think, oh, what am I doing? Like, is this okay? And I think I uh, – I, as pretty much my whole life, I've wanted to be a play school presenter. And I think I pretend that I'm a play school presenter a lot of the time now. So it's like, I may not be on the ABC, but this is my version of it. And I'm okay with this. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's a really good uh, uh, business card too for you to send in as well when you finally uh, get the courage to have a crack at play school. Because um, <laughs> I, I can, the thing I hear about your music 
I mean, like the first song, basically, say g'day, you've, you know, let's play in the sandpit, then come and read a book with Brie. I mean, these these are preschool settings. This is a totally. teacher-student relationship set up immediately from what you do. And then that, that carries on through all the work. Um, it, it really generally must be very hard to remove that interaction from it. I mean, it, it's, you're not, I think the thing with your performances and your shows and your album is it's, it, it is designed for children and, and you're not just performing, you are running a class. Yeah. So you're doing that without kids. I mean, are you, are you adapting anything or are you just? Um, yeah, so I've had to adapt a few things. So I use the felt board as a visual for mm. a lot of, you know, children of visual learners. Uh, and the camera doesn't pick up on a lot of that stuff. So I've then had to recreate backgrounds. Um, so I have virtual backgrounds that I use uh, with my videos or with the pictures of the felt board pieces instead, uh, which then frees up my body. Uh, and then instead of looking like a damp rag, then I have to start putting actions into it. The other thing is... During my sessions, I usually sit on a chair because then I'm more at the children's level because they're all sitting or standing um, and I like to be as close to their face as possible. With this, I'm finding that I've ditched the chair. The first few weeks, um, I look back on recordings and I'm sitting on a chair and it just looks so lazy, uh, whereas now I'm standing up and there's it's lo- a lot more movement-based um, this time around. So it'll be interesting when I come out of isolation and back face-to-face with the children, uh, how that's whether I um, stay on the chair or whether I do do a lot more standing up because I don't want to be looking at my knees the whole time, of course. <laughs> well, they certainly don't do that on Play School Brie, so, you know, they, they stand up the whole time from what I can remember. Um, let's get into the album because I've I got to tell you, this is possibly one of the most unexpected albums for me ever. Huzzah! Honestly, I think it's just because because of my own prejudice. I think I think when you when you have an album that's brought out that is is more or less to go along with a with a with a with a um, schooling system like yourself, like it is, it, it goes along with the classes that you run. You have a certain expectation of those songs, and you also have this idea that you sort of have to regularly pump out this new material and so you know the first thing that stuck out is you usually get an album that has 30 songs on it all the songs are you know more or less done on a midi track um they're usually pretty simple um and it's more or less designed to remind the child of the class for them to play along to but this this album is really it's really alive it's really rich it's and it's not that it shouldn't be. I just was really, I think I just wasn't ready for it to be so, like it's such a standalone album. I think the only reason why I had to remind myself that it was for your classes is because the lyrics are so ostensibly actiony and 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 designed for children to respond to then and there. But the album itself is a really, really thick, rich piece of music. I mean, was how intentional, obviously it's intentional, but... I don't know what came first, the album or the or the, the shows. 
Um, so basically, um, I was doing all of my my, ses- my music sessions through children's centres, and I, as a child, I tried to write music, and just it was dreadful. Like it was an absolute sure. disaster. They were the worst songs ever. And on, uh, how, how old my... were you? How old were you when you tried to write music? Did you say? Oh, I probably would have been about eight or nine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think McCartney's probably the only person who's ever written a song at eight that still gets used. So yeah, I think, I think yeah. you're probably being a bit hard on yourself there, Brie. <laughs> so true. So true. But then, um, so I was in probably my second year of running the music sessions and one of the directors came up to me and said, uh, we've got a bunch of boys, we're having a whole heap of behaviour issues with them. Uh, they're really rough and, you know, doing lots of punching um, and kicking and stuff like that. And we can't find a good song for them to relate to about using their, their behaviour in a positive way. Can you write a song? Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't write songs. And she said, well, we're paying you to do this. You need to do it. And I was like, okay. So I went home and wrote the lyrics really easily based on my experience as an early childhood educator and just um, pretty much put words to paper on what is expected of a child in a positive behaviour sense and couldn't couldn't get a melody to go with it. So ended up going back the next week and just singing the words along to the tune of Home Among the Gum Trees. Sure. And for about a year, I, I kept on revisiting this song and it just kept on going back to the Home Among the Gum Trees. And then one day, all of a sudden, it kicked in and I used my energy for good was born. And it was just wow. like, oh, actually, I can write a song. And then from there, it just started falling out of me. It was just like, wow, so you know, like, I'd be in the car and something would come or I'd be in the shower or I'd jump into bed and I'd just be like, quick, pull out the phone, sing it into it. Sometimes I like to wrestle. I like to play real rough. But sometimes when I wrestle, the grown-ups say enough. So if I feel like kicking, I go and kick a ball. I kick it to my friends and up against the wall. I like so this was... This was I- this was like a really genuine awakening thing for you. Like this is you haven't been doing music for years and years and years and years. You like is that kind of what you mean? Like the songwriting thing was a pretty pretty new deal to you, and when you started writing at oh, this totally. time, totally. Yes, yes. And like I don't read wow. music, so um, my, I'm a performer and, and have performed my whole life. But um, the technical side of it, even though I did a, a bachelor of arts in performance studies, the the technical side was never my strong point. So, um, you know, I, I play instruments, mm. like several instruments, but I do it all through just um, by ear. Mm. Um, and I did learn piano as a child, but I did it through Suzuki and I was learning these incredible pieces. And then the teacher said to me, okay, we really need to start learning how to read. And then I went back to the basics and was uh, playing Mary Had a Little Lamb, yeah. but reading the music. And it was so frustrating that yeah. I just went, you know what, I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah. And um, yeah, so with the with the music side of it, it's the same. And you know, um, bless the guy who does uh, my my sound engineer, who arranges and mixes my music for me. He's just incredible. His name's uh, Gavin Parker from yeah. Boss Studio. Yeah. And um, the first the first song I went into record with him actually starts with a chorus, and he's saying to me, "Bree." what is this? Songs don't start with a chorus. They start with a verse. And I'm just like, well, with my music, they do however they want. Yeah, I'm and, you know, he's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he'll say things like, um, yeah, that, you can't go from this beat to this beat. It doesn't make and so, um, you know, he's taught me a lot in the way uh, the structure of an actual song should be. But I like to say to him, you know, just because that's the way it's always been doesn't mean it always has to be that way. Yeah, particularly if you're singing something to a four or five-year-old. I mean, you kind of, you know, they, they have no real – I mean, everything's new to them, so there's there's no pre, preconceived idea of so, – so you you are early childhood trained, that's your passion, and then somewhere along the line you decided to go, I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm going to do B minor music. Yeah. Um which seems like a pretty natural progression for someone who has never written a song before um, and then just sat down and wrote 14 songs and went, yeah, I'm going to quit my profession now and just start music classes. Is that kind of <laughs> how it worked? Was it just over a glass of wine or was it a little bit more sophisticated than that, Brie? Uh, it, like, it was such an organic <laughs> unrolling. Like, so I did my diploma um, in uh, early childhood education and uh, for 14 years, I was in the field and absolutely loved it. Mm. And I uh, got about, probably would have been about 11 years in, and our music teacher, who was just the most amazing musician, uh, retired. He was in his 70s. And after that, we'd, we'd got several music programs into the centre and every single one just either grated with me or broke my heart the way that they uh, yeah, sure. you know, interacted with the children or lack of interaction with the children. It was just, it wasn't um, for me and it didn't suit my philosophy or anything. So they ended up getting a company which I refused to have in my room. So the company would go around to each of the rooms. We had six rooms in my centre. And then when it got to my time, I'd run my own session with the children. Wow. And after a while, the director was just like, you know what, I think I actually think your program suits our centre better than the other program. So they employed me as a contractor. So I did as an early childhood educator five days a week and then I had my contracting three hours of that week to go around to each of the rooms. And I did that for about a year and then I was like, I actually think I like this job better. So I decided to branch out, did a couple of centres and cut back my childhood at hours and it kind of just evolved so over the years I'd pick up another job through music and pull back my hours um, so I ended up going part-time and got to the point where I was doing five hours a week as an educator and the rest of the time as um, running the music sessions and I just couldn't break away from that five hours I just had to stay uh, in the childcare sector um, I just loved it too much, and it was it was a great learning environment for me too. Like I was still pulling uh, resources from my job, and then my centre changed director. They so it's a hundred year old centre, and with this most beautiful building, and they totally renovated it. And it was like a um, so I'd gone on maternity leave, come back. It was a brand new centre, brand new director. There was only four educators that I knew. Um, no, none of the families I knew, like it was just so different. I, I was just like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. And yeah, yeah. So I made the leap and just became B Minor Music and haven't looked back. Clap your hands, clap your hands, can you feel the beat? Clap your hands, clap your hands, feel the rhythm and sweep. Can you clap your hands? Can you clap your hands, can you follow my lead? Everyone get ready, hands are all that you need. Clap, clap. Clap, clap. 
sounds like the decision making was a pretty, as you said, it was a pretty organic procedure for you to, totally, to yeah. create. The, I mean, that's one thing, but then to create a full time employment is a very different thing. I mean, has that has that getting those extra centres on board has that been tricky for you, or has that happened pretty naturally as well? So in the first couple of years when I was trying, I remember I've got a Facebook post that comes up every year in Memories and I love it. Um, I'd rang 46 centres and one centre said yes and two centres said maybe and I'm still with those three centres. Um, and then word gets around and then it's got to the point where now people are saying, oh, you know, can I, can I book your program in? And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I would love to, but I actually don't have any space. Um, so it, it's... It hurts me to say no, but at the same time, it's such an honour to think that I have to look for that work now and, you know, coming out of isolation, I might. <laughs> yeah, I guess it also... It might be different again, but... Yeah, I guess it also highlights the need for it, doesn't it? Because you have this, on one side, you've got this idea that, you know, you're really busy, but then you kind of go, well, what do you do? Let's say maximum you do two childcare centres a day. You're only doing it, and I'm guessing you're probably not doing that much, but, you know, what are you doing, 20, 20 centres a week, 10 centres a week? How many a week do um, you do? So I do, I have five regular centres. I do three community centres, which are all uh, public sessions, and I do a couple of private sessions as well. See, and then you, and then when you, you run that against the pure numbers of early childhood centres, you know, like you really, you really, like you say, you really get a sense that there's a real craving for that kind of quality thing. And I think, yep. I think that's what's really important about, I think what you do being a teacher in the first instance, I think, I think when you, when you present yourself as a teacher to a childcare centre and say, look, this is what I'm now doing. I think people just generally, I don't know, you talk the talk, you know what you're talking about and you, exactly. you're just more respectful, I guess. You know? Yeah, and I think the other thing um, that kind of puts me aside from all the other music programs is my program's a childhood program. So I have uh, around 100 songs and experiences and the children get to choose what they want to do each session. Um, so I might say, like every now and then, if they if they choose, you know, if everyone chooses a half an hour worth of sitting down, really concentrating kind of experiences, I might go, okay, let's whack in the shakers in the middle or get up and let's, you know, shake our sillies out or do some kind of action dance um, to try and get it so that, you know, we do one sitting, one standing, that kind of thing. Um, but that really appeals to a lot of people because, um, as you know, um, childcare is all about, being child-led, yeah, of course. so I think having a, pro, a music program that's also child-led just makes sense. And I think you can also hear that in the music yourself. There's one thing that you do which I sort of periodically mention every time I speak to a teacher that writes music is, you know, often music, children's music, presently it's it's usually wrapped around, a, a, I guess, a larger message of sorts. It's usually... Um, you know, it's, it's wrapped around health or it's around mental health or it might be around the environment and things like this, which is fine. But you can also always see when a teacher does it because a teacher really, really just wants to sit in the idea of involvement and fun. So, oh, you've nailed it. Yeah, because... because there's so many amazing artists out, like children's artists out there that write these incredible songs about a, a certain topic. Mm. And I look at my music and I'm just like, 
I don't I don't want to pass a message on. I think children are bombarded with messages every day. I want this just to be about being in the moment and being active and and just having fun. Like I think um fun. Yeah, totally. And I and I think one of the and, and that definitely stands out in what you do. And I think the other thing about that as being a teacher, you 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 your life is about enriching children every day. So there's exactly. so there's a you don't you know, you, there's not a need or a desire to then have to put it into the songs, I guess. But you can really hear yeah. that. I mean, your your stuff's just um, – sorry, your music, your stuff's probably not the greatest way to refer to it. Uh, your, you can refer to the stuff. <laughs> your your um, album of stuff is really um, – like it is so deeply engaging and so physical and so – you know, you, the child has to be involved. I mean, this thing feeds off the involvement of the child. Yeah. That I, I imagine it must really struggle when you don't have that. And, I mean, have you ever done live shows? And I mean live shows. I don't mean your your sessions. I mean like on a stage yep. at a – Yes. You have? Yes, yeah. And how does, um, how so does just, that work? Uh, well, it's only fairly new to me, so it's only probably been the past, 12 months that I've started getting bookings for stage performances. Um, and when I first started, I, I did bring the felt board and the trolley on and didn't have um, basically a, a program or an idea of what I was going to do. It was like, okay, I'm going to get up there, feed off the audience and, and just go for it. And then I went, okay, that probably wasn't the best approach. I think when you're on stage, you do need to have yeah. an actual set list yeah. and, um, yeah, so now I've kind of um, – I pull from all of my action songs and um, do those and think moving forward um, I might even like include a big screen TV and have some interactive things up there um, instead of using the felt board for songs. But, yeah, yeah right. it does make me think, okay, I do need to um, create more action songs for my next album um, in order for me to stay fresh for the – live performances. I have a triangle with sides one, two, three. You have a triangle, won't you play with me? It goes ding, 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 a ding, 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 a ding, 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 a ding. ding. So when this first album came out in 2016, which means you are due for one, just politely, just from me to you. Yeah. I think it's definitely, it's definitely time. Um, there's no, no yeah. pressure on that. So you've been doing it for several years now. I mean, has it, is it, has it changed, or is it changing what you're writing, or will you still find yourself? You know, I mean, do, are you finding yourself wanting to go a bit deeper? Do you want to say things that you probably? I guess because an album is such a different medium. I mean, do you find yourself thinking, actually, you know what, I do really want to address that. I do really want to say that. Because I guess the other thing about a teacher is you also know how to say those things. Yes, yes, so true. Um, I'm very torn on this one because part of me does have so much to say. Like I'd love to write some music about um, sustainability in particular. Um, and But the other part of me goes, I, I just want to keep on producing these um, you know, great 30-minute albums where, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of educators who music isn't their strong point. So I want to be able yeah. to put them to put that CD on or, you know, play it off Spotify or iTunes or whatever and for them to engage with the children and use my CD as a guidance. Um, 
And I think that if I start doing those songs with messages, um, it may not be as engaging. It's more of a song that um, you might sing along to or listen to, um, but not so much something that you can all get up and yeah. No, definitely. What I mean, it just introduces the idea of a listening album, whereas what you've got at the moment is you have a group of children sitting, standing there with their teacher of an afternoon when they're all waiting for their parents to turn up and they're just dancing and and having fun to those songs, aren't they? Like it really is. Yeah. It brings back just, I guess, the, the essence of what the music is because, you know, there, there is plenty of message in there. It just isn't necessarily there lyrically. Well, it's not in your face, yes. Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. Um, and I guess there's also something really wonderful about, you know, the sharing of that music with someone, you know. I mean, I mean if music's really personal, then, of course, it's really valuable and it's really wonderful, but then the ability to just purely share the moment, you know, it's like being at a live show as opposed to listening to the album. Um. Let's talk about the production of that album. Now, you mentioned your producer before. How much free reign did he get over creating these albums or how much did you How much did you go into the studio with? Or did you just have everything on a ukulele and walk in and go, here's the first one, what do you reckon? Here's the second one, what do you reckon? So we, we've kind of done um, each song differently depending on where we're at with time and everything like that. But the general process is that I'll play it on the ukulele and send it through the phone um, through a voice recording. And then I'll tell him um, what instruments I want to use, um, what, the, what the feel is. And then some I'll be very specific with. And then others I'll say, I want to see where you go with this. And he just, um, for, to know this guy, he is so anti-children. Um, he's like a grumpy old man, but he just nails it. Like he's just like I sent him an email two nights ago with a new song that I'm working on, um, and I wrote, uh, <laughs> I wrote jazz feel, piano, uh, double bass, um, snare drum, and then I wrote think. And then I said T-S-S-S-T-I-T, T-S-S-S-T-I-T for the drums and for the piano, B-A-B-A-B-A. Now, most people would go, what on earth? But he got that I meant and, you know, so he just gets me. There's only the only song that we really had a bit of to and fro over was when I originally sent him the ribbon twirl. When I used yeah, to do it right. with the children, it started off, it was a fast song. It was like shake your pom-poms. And when I got into the studio, I said to him, actually, this is the last song on, on the album. I want to do it slow and I want to pair it right back. And I said, I just want a guitar. I, I was just like, think, you know, sitting around a campfire, stars in the sky and children just, you know, twirling their ribbons really slowly and then that's it. Like they calm down and they go to bed. Like it's a nice one. And he wanted to add all these instruments and he wanted it to be fast. And we like, I really had to say to him, you know, this is my song and trust me. <laughs> and yeah. I'm so glad I fought for it because I, I love the fact that the album finishes with the ribbon twirl. So. Can you dance to the music? Can you sway from side to side? Can you feel the rhythm? Move your ribbons left to right, then sway and sway. Twirl yourself around, then sway. 
much input he has because there was different, like, for example, Quack Quack and Chicka Chicka Boom. You know, you've just, I was, I was listening to that because I was trying to, you know, with all these things, you try to listen for a, um, a, a through line, a, a, a kind of a style or something. There's less style in yours. It, it does seem to jump around. If anything, it jumps from that kind of um, almost reggae calypso thing into um, Calypso, sorry. Calypso? Calypso. No, which one was the ice cream? Uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and rockabilly, you know. And then, um, but yes. obviously he's. The, and then there's a bit of a country playing in the quack yeah, quack exactly. waddle waddle so and the this, rock in the boom chicka boom. Yes, yeah. yeah. so you've got that's, this. That's very intentional. And that's and that's you or that's him. Well, it's both of us. Um, so, but I'm I'm really eclectic with the music that I listen to. Um, and I get inspired from, like, my main inspirations would probably be the Beatles, Queen, and Bette Midler. Um, uh, you but know, now, I just, just to cut you off there, I, I think it's, I think they're all really wonderful inspirations, but I have to say, I don't know if those three people have been said in the same sentence very much. No, especially Bette Midler I, along with I reckon Queen the, and the Beatles, Beatles yes. and Queen, probably. But Bette Midler's pretty, definitely, she's amazing, don't get me wrong, but that's, yes, that's yeah. left field. And I'm going to add another one, Pat Tabisco. She had a major yeah, impact totally. on me growing up. So um, I think a bit of my cheesiness comes from Pat Tabisco. But, yeah, so, and, and you know, like, and I grew up with a lot of a lot of jazz and, you know, I don't know whether you know Chad Morgan. Like, yeah, yeah. He was Chad a, Morgan, yeah, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> Henry, the, it was he, Henry VIII. I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am. Oh, I don't know who did that one. I got married to the woman next door and she's been married seven times before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know Chad Morgan. Yeah, and I think, like, I've always liked the quirky um, music, you know, like B-52s when I was younger and Mm. um, a lot of the one-hit wonders is the the ones that really stuck with me and they're always a little bit quirky and a little bit, you know, off, but... They're, they're, they're the songs that have really impacted on me. So. Well, I actually think you can hear that because, I, I mean, the, the, what stands out for me when you say that is I think of things like Shake Your Shakers, um, you know, the, 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 and, and um, you know, the big orchestral ones, which which is an, an, there's a lot of work has gone into those, the night song as well. Um, yeah. Now, is that your producer or is that you? Um, a bit of both, really. So, as I said, yeah, like he he is the most talented person in the world. So, as I said, like I'll tell him what I want to do, and then sit down like maestro and yeah. and I'll either go yeah or no, or very rarely do I say no. Usually, he he just nails it. Um, on you know what I say, and you know I might say add an instrument in or um, take one out or whatever. But um, I generally trust what he says because he just knows, you know, what he's doing. Yeah. And, but I think, I think that quirkiness is, is heard in the, like to, to, to have such rich orchestral sounds. I mean, and I'm assuming they're MIDI sounds. You couldn't afford a, an orchestra to do that. No. <laughs> but, but the thing about it is, is, you know, often people will go, oh, it'd be nice to have a violin or something like that. But you're, it's obviously very specifically this is what you want for that song. And yep. it is such a step away from the rockabilly country style. It's such a step away from the marimba kind of sound. I mean, it really is a very standalone kind of thing, which means, you know, that, yep. that kind of diversity in your sound is important to you. How much, exactly. how much thought goes into that? Like 
Do you do you actively sit down and go, okay, I've got say fifteen songs. I need to make sure I'm crossing a bunch of paths here, or do you just go as you're writing it? Oh, I could hear that being played on woodblocks. Yeah, I think it's more like I haven't. I've never gone into a specific song and gone that should be this style or that should be this style. It's more as I start to sing it, um, like one that I'm writing at the moment. It's got a kind of a country twang to it, so I'm I'm writing that country twang. Mm. Yeah, um, right. With um, yeah, like with I use my energy for good. Like that was just always going to be a Dixieland sound. Once I hit that yes. the melody after a year of trying, yeah. Um, yeah, I think and and like to me, it's so important for children to actually um, be exposed to so much. You know, like a lot of children are just exposed to whatever their parents listen to, which is you know like whether it be pop or whether it be rock or you know I, I want them to be exposed to everything, and then for them to have. Um, a love and an understanding of all genres of music. Well, and I think children are, are pretty forgiving that way. You can give them an album of 14 songs and every song can be completely different and they'll judge it from song to song without needing to go into a mood or a style that's going to look after them for 40 minutes. You know, you can just go from rockabilly to pure stripped back ukulele to then just orchestra and it's fine. It's a pretty malleable audience that way. Yeah, that's it. And also, if you've got 30 children and you can't please them all, the more styles you've got, <laughs> the better chance exactly. you have of at least getting a couple of oh, yes, them. Of course, like of course, there's that as well. Can you shake your shakers? One, two, three. Can you shake your shakers? Let me see. Shake them up. And shake them down low. Shake them in the middle and away we go. Can you so it must be, I mean, because all of these songs you're performing essentially with a ukulele when you do your shows because I, I guess the other thing is you probably have a similar situation to me where I, I find it difficult to do a playback or sometimes even to play with a band because it is fed off the audience so much. You need to yep. be able to stop and start and then just go, you know what, I've 30 seconds into this it's not going to work so I'm just going to transition to this yep. song over here. So for you... Playing all these things live with just a ukulele or just an instrument, there must be an enormous joy for you to be able to let these songs loose then when you do come around to record them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like with the Shaker song, for example, when I'm in my sessions, I actually don't use any backing track at all. So a lot of people don't even know that it's my song. And we just do it, um, and and it also it's extended. So I'll I'll talk to the children in between um, each verse and say, okay, I'm going to trick you now, and you know all of this stuff that's actually not in the one that's on the album. Um, so it, it's approximately once a year, I lose my voice, and I'll come into a session and I'll just put the CD on and we'll do the whole thing with me miming. Wow. And the children just look at you like, where is this coming from? Like, that's your song, but it's not the song that we do. And you can just see the confusion, even in the adults, like, wow, that's different. And, yeah, so, um, and, you know, things like uh, the pom-pom song, depending on my mood is depending on sometimes I'll play it 
uh, with me ukulele and other times I'll put the backing track on and I'll get up with the pom-poms and, and dance the actions with children. So it really depends on um, the dynamics of the group, whether they need, um, it, like with the pom-pom, going back to the pom-pom song, for example, with the kinder children, they probably know how to do the actions based on my lyrics. So I'd, I'm more inclined to use yeah, the ukulele. Sure, sure. Whereas if I did it with a group that's under two years, I'd get the pom-poms and I'd do it so that I can actually role model you know, to the left and right and up and down and things like that because they're not at that stage where their receptive language is strong enough to be able to, you know, in that quick of a yeah, flash, like, shake your pom-poms yeah. up high. Yeah, they're yeah. just like... Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> I'm just to listening me? to the music and seeing all of these crazy colours and sounds and, yeah. I'm still trying to pronounce ukulele. Um, <laughs> how, many, how many ukuleles have you got? Oh, I took a picture of them the other day. I think it was 21 Whoa. I counted in total. Yes. And now my son, my youngest son, has also an obsession with ukulele. He's on his fourth one. Um, now, and is he, he, just, is he on his fourth a, one or is he, has he just taken four from you? No, no, no. They're, they're ones that he's asked for for Christmas and birthdays and stuff. So I've got a rule because he says to me, I want as many as you've got. And I said to him, but I get these for my birthday or for Christmas. Like it's, it's usually um, a present from somebody. I very rarely buy my own. And so, like, I'm like, you're probably going to have to wait 10 years before you get to the collection that I've got. Have you got a ukulele that no one can touch? Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got a couple. So my grandpa had a banjo. He played the banjo and my mum had that um, converted into a ukulele. Oh, wow. And I don't want anyone to touch that because it's just too special. Um, And whatever, whatever ukulele I'm using, um, in my sessions at the time, like at the moment I'm, I'm using my Kiwi um, ukulele, that one's not to be touched. But all the others, go for it. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, I guess do you go, I mean, I, and that's the other thing, isn't it, when you do your shows? Like, I mean, do you take a whole bunch of ukuleles with you that the children are allowed to actually interact with or is that a bit fraught with danger, that kind of behaviour? Yeah, I um, when I'm, um, I'm doing a, a, like a stage show, I try and hold back on props. The only props I generally do, I've got um, over 100 egg shakers that I bring out um, and you're bound to come back with less than 100. Um, <laughs> but other than, um, if I'm in like an actual um, smaller class, like with 30 or less, I let them come up and play the ukulele that I've got. Uh, what we'll do is we often, they'll, they'll line up and um, they strum and I'll play the notes. So, um, like, say the first child will do twinkle, twinkle, little star, and then the next child will come, how I wonder what you are, and then the next child, and they'll kind of do a loop, and, and we'll just go through a few songs of them, you know, having a strum and stuff like that. Um, if I had a smaller class, I could potentially actually give them all a ukulele each for class, but... The, the logistics of carrying yeah. these ukuleles around would be oh, totally. a bit and, of a nightmare. And I think the thing about ukuleles as well is is you've just they've just got to be in tune. It's like anything, really, don't they? And and it's nice to let the kids have a play with them, but it can it can be a, it can be an enormous ruckus really quick when there's twenty of them out of tune. Um, yep. And these, you know, some of my children are under two years old, like so. Giving a ukulele to a six-month-old warrants, you know, a couple of bangs on the floor and possibly some teeth marks in the breeds. Everybody show me how to clap your hands, clap your hands. Everybody show me how to clap your hands. 
Everybody show me how to clap your hands, clap your hands. Just clap, 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 clap. Now, do you play anything else? Uh, so, growing up, I played the piano. Um, I've tried to go back on a yep. couple of times, you know, when you see the pianos in the streets and stuff like that and you jump on and you're just like, oh, gosh, I've lost that skill. But, um, you know, I'm sure if I practice, yeah, it's really come cross back. at me around here for just playing on this yeah. piano for <laughs> some <laughs> reason. Yeah. Still yeah. got it. Um, I like playing the recorder with my nose. <laughs> that's my party show. Well, that's um, cool because a lot of the under, under twos will be able to do that as well. Actually, well, any of them will be able to do that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because there is a meme that goes around that says um, something along the lines of, you know, with the recorder. Um, and why did we learn this in school? Like, it's not like we're going to use it in real life. And I'm like, I actually <laughs> use it in real life. So as an educator, we had a massive outdoor area. And to let the children know that lunch ready, I'd play a quick piece on the recorder, yep. like a Pied Piper, yep. and they'd all come running from the yard. If they wanted their lunch, they'd, they'd come and sit down and eat. So I was like, I actually used that recorder in yep. my real life. I'd do the same thing. I might the, be the only one. Yeah, no, well, I do a similar thing, but with a clarinet. Now, I don't do it with a clarinet because <gasps> I'm fancy. Hooray. I do it with a clarinet because I've got one. But if I had a recorder, yeah. I'd just as easily do it on the recorder. But we have this... And I've taught them all that it's a C, and if I play a C, <laughs> then they all freeze and they have to stop and listen to me. God forbid they ever ask for another another note, but um, but I can do a C, so that that works out well. Oh, that's um, amazing! I love it. Well, that's what I learnt with the ukulele. So mm-hmm. our, our amazing music teacher that retired, he said to me, "Oh, you know, you should play the ukulele." And I was like, "I've tried to learn the guitar my whole life. I've had lessons. I just couldn't pick up." I don't know, my fingers are too short and fat or something. And he went, no, you can do it. Like he basically said to me, I'm going to teach you first to strum, then I'll teach you the C chord. And off the C chord, he was just like, with children's music, you can learn a good 30 or 40 songs Mm -hmm. with the C chord. And then the next week was the D and then the F. And, and, you know, over the years I've I've learned the other ones Mm -hmm. myself. But, um, yeah, like like the first couple of songs, Gavin, um, my sound engineer is always laughing. He goes, geez, I didn't realise how many songs you could write off three notes. <laughs> I know. I'm always, I'm always... You like the C, the D and the F, don't you? <laughs> As I said to you the other day, my, my daughter thought you were Justine Clark. She goes, I oh, know this girl. We went and saw her at the such and such. She went, no, I don't think you've seen She goes, yeah, we saw her at the... And I went, oh, no, that's Justine Clark. But I'm sure Bree will be very happy to hear that. But I'm always mildly disappointed when I hear things like Justine Clark or something and I kind of go, oh, how do you play that? And I pick up and I play a C and go, oh, what am I? Oh, okay, it's just C. It's, you know, at at the core of it, everyone's basically got two chords. Have you ever heard a song? It's a silly kind of song. It's a dibble, dabble, ding, dang. have a couple more questions and then I'll let you go but thank you very much for your time today Brie. Now it's been a pleasure. Yeah I just want to say now this sort of isn't really so much a question it's more of a comment and just to sort of get your thoughts on it and and to see how true this is of your music. There was this and I don't know how to describe this properly but there was this real beautiful wholesomeness 
to your music. And when I was writing this question, I thought wholesome's not what I want to describe it as. It's not that, but it seemed close. And then I kind of landed on it. When I listen to your music, I feel as an adult, I feel genuinely invited in. Oh, nice. And and I think and I think that's actually really I think that's actually really hard. And by that I mean uh, there's a lot of music for children. You know, it's it's easy to feel the warmth and it's very personable and it's very lovely, but I felt invited into your music. I I genuinely felt from a child's perspective this music was for them. Yeah. And it wasn't and this is to not begrudge any other children's musicians, <laughs> but um, this really generally felt a, like a gift from you to the children. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely for you to say. Because, I mean, <clears throat> it really is. And, you know, there's there's certain songs that are on my first and that will be on my second album that were specifically written for certain children who have said um, – uh, you know, like, can you write it? Like the night song, for example, little boy, uh, Wolfram, the most amazing little man. Every week I'd come into the centre and he had his little um, shield and sword and, and mask and everything um, that he, they'd make out of cardboard for him. Like every week he had a different version. And he said, Timmy, can you write a song about nights? And I was just like, oh, okay. And all he actually didn't say, can you write a song? He said, can you do a song about nights? And I was just like, gosh, I don't actually know if there's any song. So I went home, Googled, couldn't find anything. And I was like, okay, I can't let this guy down. I need to actually write one for him. And I was so proud of myself. And I went in the next week and I was like, right, I've got this song. We've got some dance movements to go with it. And he just went, ah. And I was just like, that song was for you. And he was just like, ah, okay. (laughs) He didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow! Well, you know that's the other thing about performing with kids, isn't it? Is is they just if they're not into it, they'll just walk away. It's really hard. Exactly. I think I think doing what you do when you're actually doing it on the floor in front of children, it's a real difficult skill because there's been plenty of times where I've had guest musicians into the daycare and they'll come and play, and at the end of it they'll go they'll go oh the kids didn't like it they sort of all just wandered off and I was looking at them going no they they thought it was amazing it's, yeah but they didn't even sit and listen you go yeah they were all listening they were just off you know building. and not a lot of people yeah, get they were, that they were off I'm building blocks saying... while they're listening like you know you can tell yes. they're still totally engaged they're just not going to be engaged the way you expect them to be engaged and. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm I'm constantly saying to parents, especially when they first join yeah. my sessions for the first time, um, I allow the children to run around during the sessions. They don't actually have to sit and listen because I know that, you know, um, there might be a child down at the corner that's run off, but they go home and then they repeat every single song when they're at home. Precisely. So they're taking it in, but um, it might be too overstimulating for totally, them to sit there. Or the, you know, totally, yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they need to remove oh. And I think that's probably the educator in us that, that understands the development behind children, not, you know, um, yeah. As an adult in society, you have to sit, you have to listen in order for people to think you're engaged, but that's not entirely true. There was a knight who had a sword to protect himself from evil. He lived in a castle on a hill in a country town in 
So you've got a new album coming up. Are you, you're obviously based in Melbourne. Are you going to expand or are you, or is it Brie that makes it work? Yeah, I get get this question all the time. People constantly saying to me, you need to franchise. I never say no to anything, but at this stage in my life, a Brie is B minor music. Mm. Um, I think having the program that I have where the the sessions are based on the children's dynamics and the choices and everything like that, um, I don't think I could fully trust my brand being under somebody else's name. Um, and that this was a, the problem that we had with a lot of the other programs in childcare. You could have an amazing person represent that program and then someone not so amazing. And I just, I just can't um, at this stage in my life, if I found someone who I thought uh, could do that as well as me or, or better than me or whatever, um, then yeah, go for it. And it like, it sounds so up myself to say that, um, but it just, yeah, it's a really, really hard one. No, and I think I think it's actually really relevant. I mean, there is a difference, and that's that's the thing. You know, again, listening back to your album is is I said to you, and I, and I mean it. I, I felt invited, and and I could see that from a child's perspective. And I think that invitation can only be orchestrated by someone who really generally understands how to invite children in, and and yep. not just musically, but how you would invite a child in to dramatic play. How do you invite a child into a drawing table, how you'd invite a child into a home corner. How You know, like I think it's not just about entertaining musically, it's about how do you engage a child in, in out of their comfort zone. How do you bring them yeah. out of your comfort zone and make them feel safe, engaged and, and, you know, for the lack of a better term, not threatened, you know, and I don't yeah, think yeah. you can't do that just with music. You can, you can, you, you need to know how to do that just through your language and through your, you know, your approach, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and I think, I, you know, I constantly say this to people. I think that um, a majority of what I do is my skills as an early childhood educator and the performance is very little of that, even though it's a music session and potentially, um, you know, that's supposed to be the forefront. I think, um, you know, I don't have the best voice in the world. I'm not the best, um, you know, player of the ukulele or have the the most expansive knowledge of music or whatever, but I do have um, the ability to engage and the, my love for performance um, is what I like to share the most with the children so that when they do go into, um, say, primary school and they learn an instrument or they do music as a subject, um, they'll have that love and they'll be open to learn. And then they can, they can learn all of the actual, you know, um, the theory through it and everything like that. Yeah, totally. And I think you can only foster that love and and care for it by knowing how to foster love and care in a kid, in a child. You know, you need to know how to be able to open them up and leave them open in order to engage with all that. Um, Look, I I love it. I really generally was quite, as I said to you, it's, it's for really not cool reasons. I was being very prejudiced and had a preconceived idea of what these <laughs> things should sound like. And I'm, I'm, um, and I'm big enough to admit that I, I got, you know, got knocked down a little bit and I, and I, um, Love it. and I've, I've learned a lesson, but it, it was really, it was a real pleasure listening to this album. And, and you know what, one of the rare, I listened to a lot of kids music, um, but this is one of the this what was really fascinating about this was this 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 brought my children to silence. Yes. 
And they sat there and for the first time in, like, God help me, a long time, they ate. Yeah. And they just sat there and they listened to the whole album and I knew wow. <laughs> instantly I went, okay. That's massive. Is, they've been invited in, they're part of it and they and, and they, they feel like they, they belong to this music. But it is great and I can only imagine what the classes are like. I mean, I think if, if, the, if the, the care you take in how you recorded them and how you write – is any measure of how the how much care you take in the in the sessions, and I imagine they're they're a real they're a real blessing for the people involved. Um, and I think it's a blessing for me as well. Like I'm always saying, I've almost like put myself in a position. Where I've been saying for the past six months, if only you guys could see what I see, um, I'd love to wear like the camera on the head. You know, uh, those, what are those cameras called? Um, the GoPro, I'd love to have a GoPro on my head and for people to see the beautiful interactions that I see and, the, you know, the, um, the faces and everything. It's just like I think sometimes I'm selfishly going to these sessions to get as much out of it as other people get out of it. Yeah, I, no, totally. And I think, um, you know, I think it's also something you don't get from the bigger stage. Yeah. I think I think there's there there is truly something to be said for, you know, sitting down and strumming a guitar and a bunch of and children running around you. Yeah. Um, look, thank you very much for speaking with me today, Bree. I do appreciate it and I really appreciate the music and I really appreciate the effort you put into the, the programs that you, you give the children because, uh, you know, I, I, it's you without sounding silly, you know, you care and I think that's really, really special basically. Yeah, so thank I you. do. I, I love my job. Like it really is the best job in the world and I'm very thankful, you know, for every, every day that I get to bring that passion to children and, and to be with them, you know. I just, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be putting things into words right now, but I just can't. No, no. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's, you know, like I think that's the joy of being a teacher, you know. I think you've come from that place where, you're there because you you love watching the way children develop and the way they respond to things. And yep. now you just get to put the same context into the music that you're providing them. And yeah, totally, totally understand why that's hugely rewarding. And then you can like measure it against Piaget and Ericsson and go, well, you know, this is why, you know, the child's go through these developmental stages. So, you know, you've even got the, the, um, the academic side the of it, to, yeah, pack, the yeah, that's pack, it. So you, can like, <laughs> you know, explain why that child um, doesn't like the song about knights that you wrote for him. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Bree. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Um, and let me know when the next album's out. And let's do it again. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat. If you'd like to know more about Bree and her work, then head along to her website at www bminormusic.com and of course for more parent time goodness head along to www.bennytime.com thanks for listening to me benny asking people questions